Hey everyone, Don Purdom, your host of the Don Purdom Show. Welcome back today. I want to start by just briefly offering my condolences to those who lost their lives last night in Manchester, England. What a terrible, terrible tragedy. My prayers go out to those who were injured and are um, beginning the road to recovery and healing. And I hope that it has found out the root cause of this act of terrorism and that justice will be done. And uh, I'm not going to say a whole lot more about it today. I suppose if we all want to know more, we can keep our eyes on the news. And anything else right now, I suppose, is just speculation. And so let's just move on with the rest of today's show, shall we? I just wanted to open up and just offer my thoughts and condolences to those who um, suffered such tragic loss last night in Manchester, England. And today, I guess to ducktail into that, I want to talk about big government liberalism and its failure and why it must, at all cost, be stopped. We have experienced, since World War II, a strong liberal trajectory of saying that the federal government needs to have more control in all of our lives. And as the government has done that at the federal level, so has state and even some instances local governments. And so what I really want to jump into today is what is the ultimate outcome of big government? Well, I think to understand the outcome, we have to think about the process. And I think that a lot of people have very, very good intentions. I don't think that people set out to say, I want to blow government up and make it huge and big and control and dominate people's lives. I genuinely believe that most politicians go into this arena with good intentions, just genuinely wanting to help people. However, I think it's flawed. And I'm going to explain as we go through the conversation why I think it's flawed and expose the weaknesses in it for you because we've all gotten trapped in it. We've all bought into the idea that we need a big government to take care of us and provide for all of our needs. And the fact of the matter is, is when you live in a community with people, your neighbors, if you happen to go to a place of worship, if uh, people that you work with, etc., people generally want to help one another. And they're not going to do it if they know that somebody else is there to do it for them. But that's a whole kind of a different conversation about community, the importance of community, rallying around each other, helping each other, etc. Unfortunately, big government has taken over a lot of that role in our lives in a lot of different ways. And, and the ultimate outcome of government, if you think about it, I recently read a quote somewhere that said, and I, I wish I could remember or find it, and I probably could if I would take the time to do a good Google search. Maybe you could do that for me. And somebody recently said, though, that if you control people's health care, you can control their lives. That is a huge statement. When you think about the government interference in our lives and health care over the last seven, eight years... Socialism and health care never go well together. Because when the government starts making decisions for us about what's most cost effective and what's this and what's that, then we run into all kinds of ethical problems. Now, is there a role for government to play in health care? Of course, absolutely. 
maybe from regulating the health insurance industry. There are some good laws. There are things they could do, but not controlling the entire thing. What happens is, when I, if the government controls my health care, if I'm relying on them for my food, if I'm relying on them for my shelter, I am stifled by being able to pursue my own personal dreams. I am stifled from breaking out of that dependency on the government to provide for all of my needs. And what I'm ultimately experiencing is my own little personal prison that the government has unintentionally created for me. Because what will happen is I need this one thing. I need this health care. If I make too much money, I lose it. And that's a limiting mindset. Instead of saying to myself, I want to break out of the dependency on government. I want to live my dreams. I want to have the things in my life that I'm capable of having because I'm talented enough. I'm smart enough. I'm gifted enough. I'm capable enough. I have people who believe in what I'm trying to do. And I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to push forward. And I'm going to live my dream. Even if I fail, that's okay. I'll go figure out another dream. But the problem with big government is that it squashes dreams because it teaches us that I have to stay inside my box. I'm going to give you an example. I know a, an elderly man who is so, in, so gifted, very intelligent, has a huge amount of life experience. But he refuses to work because if he makes X amount of dollars, he'll lose his Medicare. Now, this is a person that could potentially make $100,000, $150,000 a year. But he refuses to do it because he'll lose his Medicare. Now, if you're making hundred or $150,000 a year, let's just say that you're making $10,000 a month. But to be on Medicare, he can't make more than, I think it's $1,500. I might be, I think that was what he said, $1,500, $1,700 a month. I think if you're making $10,000 a month, you can afford the right health care policy and still have plenty of extra cash left over to do whatever you want with. This is what I mean by it traps us in our prisons. I, I was just at breakfast this morning talking with a dear friend, and we were talking about the situation that, you know, what if you have, a, what if you're a family of seven? What if you've got five kids? You and your spouse have five kids. And you can only make $40,000 a year to stay on the medical programs and SNAP programs, because that's an extra $800 a month for food. How nice is that? But I'm trapped at not making more than $40,000 if I want to keep that benefits. In other words, I'm going to give up $800 a month for $1,000 a month or $2,000 a month or $5,000 a month extra. If I went and started my own business and pursued my own dream. Our thinking has been flawed. Government has trapped us in our own prison, folks. It's taught us that if we want what they have to offer, we have to meet their conditions. Since when, in American history prior to the modern era, did Americans ever give up their rights to pursue their God-given dreams? Because the government told them they couldn't. I'm not saying these programs are all bad. I don't want you to mishear me. What I'm saying is, is we have to think about why these programs are in place and who should really be on them and who shouldn't. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to be trapped in a prison of my own thinking. I don't want to be limited in the pursuit of my dreams or my potential or my ability to give back to society through not just productive work. I mean, there's a certain amount of dignity that comes with having a job well done, knowing I'm making a difference, knowing I'm doing something meaningful, that I'm contributing instead of taking. That is a huge psyche that we have got to overcome in this country. We absolutely have to overcome this. If we don't, we become a country of ingrates. It's a huge, huge problem. But let's think about the inverse of that. Let us, let us think just, just for a few minutes. Let's consider small government. Let's just say we made a transition from being a big government to a small government. Will it be painful? Yes. Will there be unintended consequences? Probably. Yes. But will the benefits outweigh the negatives? Absolutely. For one, these big government programs are bankrupting us. They are just bankrupting us. We've got $21 trillion of national debt, of which over 70% now is coming from social welfare programs. We used to complain about defense spending in the 80s and 90s, and now these deficits are just exploding because of the cost of the social welfare programs. Those social welfare programs are... Some of them, I mean, this, this isn't all of them by any stretch, but, you know, the big ones, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps. Um, and we're going to go into some other things that are causing this a little bit later in the show when we talk about some of the examples of how these programs are hurting citizens. But let's just think about that for a minute. If I'm dependent for my needs and I'm, ex I'm living out my talent, skills, abilities, and my dreams... Isn't that much better? I think the ultimate outcome of small government is saying, you know what, I want to pursue my dream. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to be in control of my own future and destiny. Because when I'm living, it's exciting. When I'm living, it's challenging. When I'm living, there are hurts. But without hurts and sorrows, you never experience, joy, you never experience joys and happiness. I don't think we ever think about those two things going hand in hand. We are so busy trying to avoid pains and hurts and consequences that we never get around to experiencing joy and happiness. Well, let's talk about what some examples are of how big government hurts citizens. I came across an article the other day in philly.com. And the title of the article was Pennsylvania School Districts Still Hoarding Your Tax Dollars. Folks, I, this is going on all over the country. I know when I lived in Texas, there were issues with school funding. And this is, this is just a, a, an entire national crisis of public education. We keep throwing money at public education. And the ones that are hurting are our kids and our future because our kids simply aren't learning. Now, there's a moral and an ethic behind why they're not learning. Some of that's on the school district. Most of it is on the parents who see the school district as a glorified nanny or babysitter. 
Parents are not raising their kids. They're not teaching their kids. They're not having conversations with kids. They, the kids are being made excuses. I mean, I'll give you one example on the, on the morality part of it. My son, who's in high school, said that one of the girls in his class, as they were all having a, a conversation in a, in, a, in a health ed class, were talking about sex, and she admitted openly that her mother walked in on her having sex with her boyfriend and didn't even care and turned around and walked right out, and they finished. What is going on with that picture? Since when is that excusable? Just because you did it in the 80s or the 90s, that justifies your kid doing it now? The, the morality of things are completely out of order. And parents are looking at the schools the wrong way. But here's the problem in the schools. I want you to think about this for a second. Some, st- some data came out here in the state of Pennsylvania that there is... For fiscal year 2015 and 16, $4.4 billion in reserves in the state education plans. That means there was almost $4.5 billion not spent. Now, I don't know about you, but that tells me we're being overtaxed. There is something ethically and morally wrong with this. In Lancaster County, where I live, the article went on to explain that it's over $200 million in reserves. At the same time, every single year, these school districts come around and they want more tax dollars. They want a 2% tax increase. Some are wanting 6 and 8%, while these numbers are just exploding in their reserves. Folks, that's theft in my book. That's stealing. That's immoral. And they keep claiming it's for the rainy day that never seems to be coming with these people because they just keep raising taxes and increasing staffs and building new $80 million buildings for high school students. And it's out of control. This whole thing is completely out of whack. And believe me, I have full intentions of contacting my state representatives and senator to, senators to talk with them about this issue. I even want to try to get some of them on the show to actually have a conversation about what is going on. Big government is run amok in our school districts. It's hurting taxpayers. It's hurting the kids. Test scores aren't going up. Academic performance isn't going up. The only thing that seems to be going up anywhere is the amount of money that they're taking from the citizens and putting in their coffers. That's the only thing that seems to be going up here. There's something seriously wrong. So the first one is school. The, the, the first school districts is the first example of big government hurting citizens. The second is health care. There was just an article that I saw today that came out in the Sacramento Bee in California. And this article is saying that the price tag on universal health care in California is now bigger than California's budget. California is the top grossing state in our union. They're saying it would cost $400 billion to remake California's health insurance marketplace right now. And they need to find an additional $200 billion per year on top of that. Now, folks, this will all be in the show notes, the links to these articles. So be sure to to go to donaldperdome.com, find the article, um, 
on big government versus small government, something, I mean, the title's not completely done yet, but it'll be there, and you can find the links to these articles. The point here is, the cost of universal health care in California is huge. Who is that hurting? Ultimately, it's going to hurt the patient because they're going to start cutting back care. They have to. It's going to hurt the patient because doctors won't be making the right amount of money. They need to just be in business. And they're going to flee the state and go elsewhere. Or they're just going to retire or go do something different. I mean, these people spent hundreds of thousands of dollars getting educated to provide for our physical needs. And we're not going to be able to pay them. And they're not going to be able to pay their school debts. That's going to cause a whole other crisis in medical schools. And it's going to hurt you, the citizen, because what are they going to have to do to you once again? Is it enough that the school districts are taking too much money for you? Now they're going to have to do it for health care. Our taxes just amazingly keep going up and up and up. All they ever talk about in the news is federal taxes. They don't talk about what's going on at the state level, the county level, the municipal level. We're getting taxed every which way you could think of. I think I figured out one year I made about $50,000 one year, and I added up all the taxes I pay, and then I went through all my bills. I looked at even the stuff that are taxes that you don't know are taxes, like surcharges and fees and your electric bill, phone bill, your gasoline. You know, I kind of guessed a little bit in some of those areas, but I think I determined that at a minimum, 50% of my pay or more, maybe 60%, actually went to taxes when I accounted for every un, every hidden tax I could find. See, they're, they're doing things now. They're not even calling them taxes anymore. Number three. How about that annual cost of illegal aliens? Our globalism, open borders, liberal friends who just says, let anybody and everybody in who wants a higher quality of life. How are we going to maintain that quality of life if everybody here is not in our culture, if they don't speak our language, if they're not brought up in our schools, if they're not educated, if they can't provide a valuable resource for the marketplace to work in? What if they're bringing diseases with them that have been long eradicated in this country? I talked about this a little bit yesterday. They're saying that on average, the annual cost of an illegal alien is is $1,117 per year per every individual who was born today through their death. Every individual, all 350, 60, 70 million of us, however many there are. Think about that number for just a moment. We aren't even talking about, uh, what about the education of them? The annual price tag of educating illegals is $52 billion. Who pays for all of this? In these big government social liberal programs, that they sound compassionate and they sound good. But somebody is not being compassionate towards. And that's the American who's paying for all of this who is struggling to find a good job, who is struggling to get their education, who's struggling to live their dream because they've been trapped in their prison, both knowingly and unknowingly. Number four, and the final one, but the biggest, is globalism and bad free trade 
policies. Folks, this is a, this absolute. This just keeps getting worse in my mind. I mean, since since Bill Clinton in the '90s passed NAFTA, we have seen a mass exodus of companies, manufacturers, in particular, leave our country. Now that doesn't. I'm not looking forward and thinking about what does this mean. Looking forward with automation and artificial intelligence and all of that. Yeah, there's still, there's going to be changes, but I'm just thinking from 1993 to 2016. The number of companies that move their manufacturing plants out of our country. And they did it because it was cheaper to do places, do business in these other places. The taxes here were too high. The regulations were too much and too expensive. And when it becomes cheaper to manufacture your, prod, your, your, your product somewhere else and ship it in, that's a problem. What is the practical application of all of this, though? I mean, all you have to do is look at our big cities. Baltimore. Uh, not too long ago, we drove through downtown Baltimore on a trip to Washington, D.C. Because we like to go to the Smithsonian's and the National Museums. It's, 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 it's a great day. It's worth taking the couple-hour drive and go down there and spend the day. Well, we decided to take a drive right through the heart of Baltimore to get there. And... It's a mess. The infrastructure is falling apart. Buildings are crumbling down. You could just see crumbled buildings that had collapsed everywhere. Housing units. People living out on the streets. We saw a couple of drug deals go down underneath bridges. Folks, Baltimore is a classic example of bad trade policies that wrecked the middle class. Baltimore was once a thriving middle class community. Of all races. There were all kinds of middle class jobs. But when NAFTA came on, those jobs disappeared. And that community was wrecked. I can go to Philadelphia and see the same thing. I can go to parts of Dallas and see the same thing. Go to New York, you'll find it. Boston, it doesn't matter. It's Chicago. It's in every city in this country. What globalism has done to our once great middle class and cities. This was the root of the Trump supporter in the Rust Belt. Their jobs disappeared. They were gone. These were hard-working, middle-class people that loved their companies they worked for and the jobs they did. They might not have always appreciated it. They might not have always liked it until those jobs went away and they had nothing. The whole globalism free trade issue has cost us the loss of our middle class where that gap between the rich and the poor just grows wider and wider and wider. It has caused inequality and poverty. You go into cities like, like Baltimore and the crime is rampant. The drug use is rampant. These people feel destitute. They feel left behind. They're trapped in their own prison that they can't escape because they don't have the money to escape it. They couldn't get out if they wanted to, or at least that's how they feel. And sometimes how you feel is more important than the reality itself. The only people that have benefited from globalism are the elite. With a few exceptions here and there. There have been some great entrepreneurs who are smart people that were able to take advantage of globalism. But by far and large, it's been the elite. This is the heart of the liberal agenda. 
I said it yesterday. I'm going to say it again. What is their moral and ethic? The moral and ethic behind big government is globalism, open borders, and money and power. And that, folks, is what this is all about. This is not about making America a beacon on top of a hill for the world to see anymore. But we're going to get back there. Americans know that something's going to change whether we like it or not. I mean... Again, to quote yesterday, Connecticut is $2 billion in the hole. Pennsylvania's $3 billion in the hole. New Jersey's going bankrupt. Illinois is going bankrupt. All these big liberal states are going bankrupt because they can't afford their big government policies. And who is it hurting? It's hurting the poor and the middle class. It's hurting the everyday citizen just trying to find a dream and live it. And is it not bad enough that it's hard to do when you're having to fight the government on top of it, it almost feels impossible sometimes. I think here's the real questions. When it comes to big government versus small government. By the way, if you haven't noticed yet on DonaldPerdom.com, you can get a free downloadable infographic that explains the practical benefits and outcomes of both big government and small government. So that you can see it for yourself. That whole thing is there. Just jump over to donaldperdom.com and get your free copy of that infographic. You can use it. You can. It, it will help you make sense of, from a practical outcome, what these two things mean, big government and small government, and how to put them all together. Anyway, I think, you could, I think we all have to ask ourselves, do we want to live in the prison of big government? I don't, do you? But that's, that's the ultimate outcome, isn't it? Is that really where we want to be? Or should, be we, or should we be willing to take the chance? Should we be willing to take the risk and pursue our dreams? When a government traps us in mediocrity, when it traps us in our prison, it enslaves us to their programs. And who benefits from that? Not us. We think we're getting the benefit. Ultimately, it's them. There is a part of me that wonders, did they trap us on purpose? As a country, have they got us so addicted to big government and distracted us while they pursue globalism, open borders, money, and power. Because that's their real agenda. I do think there are politicians that go into this and have good intentions. I really do. But good intentions aren't good enough. The outcomes have been disastrous. And I don't know about you, but I want to find my own way. I want to find my own dream. I want to pursue my dream. And I want as few barriers as possible between me and that dream to make it possible to get there. Because like I said, it's hard enough already without the barriers of government. And when government piles on on top of it, it just makes it even more difficult. So what says you? 
I'd love to know your thoughts. Jump over to donaldperdom.com. Leave me a, a message in the comment field on the article. Download that free infographic. And by the way, I want to remind you that we are listener supported. So if you'd like to make a donation to help us as we start breaking this down and making politics more practical to your world, maybe in a way that others out there aren't quite so much doing that. They're they're doing a really great job, but maybe they're not. Just you're thinking, hey, Don is really succinctly breaking this down and helping me see this from a different perspective. If you value that. Please jump over and give us a small gift. The average gift is 15 bucks. It's not a lot of money. You can give $5, $10. You can give as little or as much as you like. But jump over and support us. Help us build this program, reach more people. And we are working on some interviews right now. I'm hoping to have a couple of state senators and and state legislatures come into the program to talk about how some of what the federal government is doing is impacting the state and what's going on at the state level as it relates to the federal and a whole bunch of other issues as well. I'm also working on trying to get a U.S. congressman on board to the show. So if you know somebody that you'd like to introduce us to that you think would be a great candidate to interview or to talk with about any number of issues, please reach out to me. And uh, through the contact page at donaldperdom.com, it could be a think tank, it could be a nonprofit, it could be a lot of different things. But if it fits the mission of our show, then absolutely we would love to talk with them. So I want to thank you so much for listening in today. Thanks for joining us. Hope you'll be back tomorrow as we talk about another great issue that you're going to want to be interested in, in terms of what are the politicians saying What does it mean? What are they doing? And what's the moral and the ethic behind it?